I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my Father knows me and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now turn to Revelation chapter 5, and we're reading from verse 6. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the twenty-four elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll. And break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Super good, Graham. The beautiful Graham is coming up with a great haircut. Only the coolest people. There's this old saying, eh? Um, God only made a few perfect heads, the rest he covered in hair. So we can hang out, bro. So good. Hey, so Graham's been part of our church for, I don't know, a year and a half-ish? Yep. Something like that, eh? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Sneaks in and does dishes in the cafe um, pretty regularly, which is like awesome, eh? Um, And yeah, real good um, preacher of the word and was a missionary in the islands for, I don't know, like 30 years or something crazy, eh? Nearly 40. 40 years? Nearly. I didn't think you were that old. I was trying to be nice. Thank you. Nah. All good, eh? Hey, let me pray and then I'll get out of the road. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Almighty God, we're not here to look cool or, uh, I don't know, tick a Jesus box and, and get out of here and feel all good about that. We're here because we want to learn more about who you are and who we are in relation to you. Um, yeah, we know that you love to speak to us through your word. And so I really lift up your servant, Graham, before you this morning. And I ask you to clarify his thoughts. Uh, I ask you to give us really good ears to hear what you want to say to us through him, God. Yeah, give us good attention, give us good focus. Um, help us to listen to Graham, but help us to have that deeper ability, because we're in drop by your spirit, to listen to you. Uh, what are you saying to us personally uh, as you speak through Graham? So, yeah, guide his thoughts this morning, God. Yeah, help us to really hear you this morning. Yeah, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Craig. Yeah, thank you. This, for me, has been really difficult because, like we just said, I was a missionary for many years, and I know there's folk here who are also missionaries in the past, and there are folk attached to this church, to Agora here, who are doing mission work also. Um, But as I sat down and started to prepare for this, I found it really difficult because I was going down so many rabbit trails. You know, it's such a broad subject, and it's so much um, central to the character of God that, um, well, and it touched my life for so many years. Not only rabbit trails in the word, but memories kept coming back to me. So 
Anyway, the result of all that is this. I want to talk to you today about mission, but perhaps in a way that we've not thought of. You can see Karen up there. You don't know Karen, but Karen was from um, Barstow in America, California. She was a prison officer, member of the Baptist Church. She decided to sell her home, quit her job, and went to Iraq in the middle of the trouble to work with the women there, who, of course, suffering so much in the war there. And she was shot dead in Mosul. Now, she's one of my heroes, but, you know, you, you wonder what makes a woman like Karen tick. Why would she do that? I mean, it's crazy. She had a good life. She was serving God back home in her own country. But for some reason, it wasn't enough for her. And for some reason, she was willing to go and risk her life in a war zone and lose it. Why would a well-established woman do that? Is she crazy? I mean, most of us don't really see beyond just the struggle we have day by day to get through the issues that we all face with our families, our job, our finance, you know, politics, economy, everything just presses in on us so much. What about this man? You've probably heard of this man, John Chow. She'd been, he'd been trying to reach members of an isolated tribe on an island called North Sentinel. And he made two attempts to land there and they drove him off with their arrows. And on the third attempt, he was killed. Not so long ago, 2018. There's a young man, loved the outdoors. Look at him in, in, in his picture. He's in the mountains. He's not on a tropical island. Why would he do such a thing? The world was very critical of him. And so were some Christians. I mean, what, leave these people alone. They've got their culture, they worship their ancestors, they live with nothing, just leave them in peace. But he saw beyond that. It's pretty extreme. John was somebody special. But you see, both Karen and John, to me, highlight one of God's imperatives that we so often overlook as a church. There's an aspect of God's character, God's plan, and an imperative, not just this church, but I think so many churches lose sight of. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We think of missions as something that a church does or that people do. You know, people say, well, I give my money to a church missionary society or I support this or I support that and I pray for this. They're on my prayer list and that's all good. That's important. But actually it's not enough. It's very superficial because mission is what God does. It's what he does, it's what he's doing, it's what he intends to do, and it's what he wants us to be involved in. And he taps us on the shoulder, some of us, Karen, John, and others, even me. He tapped me on the shoulder and he calls us away from what you and I would regard as a normal life to be part of his plan. So God's people have to be involved, and that's what Joe's read for us from John 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. That's an imperative. Jesus said, I must. 
And if Jesus says, I must about something, surely for us as his people, there's a must for us too. I must. I must bring them also. Now at that time, he was probably referring to the house of Israel and people outside of Israel, us Gentiles. But it doesn't just stop with Gentiles in his immediate area or even in this area. He's talking about the nations around the globe. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. There's another thing about Jesus. He knows they will. And that's enough. That's enough for me. That's enough for Karen, enough for John. That's enough for us. Jesus must, they will. So what are we doing? Are we at least praying? Do we even think about this as an aspect of our life as Christ followers? But with this also is a promise of success. It's guaranteed. Remember what Craig talked about last week. He talked about this in Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, and he was talking about big rock, little rock, but the point is, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You see, success is guaranteed. And I think one of the issues we have, and, and it's very normal because of the world we live in, is that we think it depends on us. We think success falls on our shoulders, but it doesn't. Even with evangelism, I think this affects evangelism. We tend to think, oh, I can't do that because I can't persuade anybody to accept Jesus Christ. How will I know the answer if they have a question? And it's all focused on me. How will I? But, you know, we need to focus on Christ, on his imperative. I must and they will. I will build my church. You know, the more I think about this, the more I realise how much the world and sin has robbed me of the truth of understanding just who it is Christ is, just what it is he's done and who I am now as a result. And with this comes the desire to serve him and with this comes the knowledge, the sure knowledge that we cannot fail. This is Christ's call to his work the work of reaching all of the lost sheep and bringing them in in a great harvest. John said, and John says a lot of these things about sheep and so on, and it's really interesting because John, remember, was the apostle, uh, the apostle that Jesus loved. He was the one that leaned his head back on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. That's how close he was. He was the most intimate friend that Jesus had was this John. All that the Father has given me will come to me. That's John 6, chapter 37. Again, you see, all the Father has given, past tense, will come. They're already marked out. You see, my job as a missionary I spent many years in the islands and I was involved in all aspects from planting 
a mission, a new work where there was nothing, and building it and identifying locals and training them and seeing them do the work of God amongst their own people. And for me, I was not an evangelist. I didn't lead many people to Christ directly. But what I did was I helped to plant a church that was vibrant and alive amongst the people who knew church as something dead and legalistic. And so the father had already marked out his people. And when I went, I started to meet them. And I went in, 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 in response to God's call in my life, but I started finding there were people there who were already like ripe fruit, just wanting to hear about Jesus in a certain way from a certain person at a certain time, and they came, and they're the ones who did the actual work. What an amazing, amazing feeling that was because the Father had given them to Jesus, and they weren't coming to me or to the mission that we were, had established. They were coming to Christ. The Father has chosen them, said Jesus. I lay down my life for them said, Jesus, I must bring them so it cannot fail. I mean, this is what he's done for you and me, isn't it? Why wouldn't he do it for everybody else as he gathers the nations? Oh, am I going the wrong way? Oh, yeah, thanks. John 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Look at the repetition. John, he's trying to get through to us. Look, follower of Christ, young person, old person, whoever you are, no one can snatch you from God's hand and the, the sheep that come through, your witness, your testimony, your prayer, your work, your giving, your going, no one can snatch them. Because I, said Jesus, I am building my church. So if Jesus infallibly saves his own, then his worldwide saving purpose will succeed. And if I have a part in calling any of these sheep, that will succeed too. This is a radical change of thinking. You know, no longer am I down here thinking, oh God, what can I do? How would anybody listen to me? Why would they listen to me? I had a huge crisis of this when I went to the islands because I felt strongly that God had called me, but I didn't go with a missions organization. And I went over there. I don't have the language. I don't know the culture. I saw the mess the church was in, where people were attending religiously, faithfully, believing that their salvation was in the church through attending and giving their money not through Jesus Christ. They didn't know the gospel. You ask the average person what the gospel is. Oh, yeah, I know the gospel. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How am I going to make a difference? Look at me. Lord, in case you've forgotten, I'm a sinner. 
I'm weak, I fail. Why did you send me? Did you make a mistake? That was a huge crisis for me. But you see, I had to learn this. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about saving the nations. It's about, I will build my church. And oh God, thank you for some reason that I don't understand. You've chosen me out of people who are far more capable than I am. And you've chosen to send me into these people that when I don't know their language, and I don't have a show of even communicating with them, let alone saving anybody. God, what's, why have you done it this way? Well, the, the answer is this, because God has to do it and he's glorious in their sight when they see him doing a work that they don't understand through a palangi. You know, when God shows his arm to people, when he calls them, he shows himself glorious. He shows himself miraculous and majestic above and beyond what their expectations are. Just like he's above and beyond what my expectations were. And I had a man who came and worked with me and he was from Morrinsville. He was a, a retired farmer. And he used to walk around in jandals and shorts. He knew no language or anything either. But he walked everywhere and he made friends wherever he went and he became the key person for starting the ministry. He wasn't educated, he was just a farmer. And he would go and help people and he'd help them fix a fence and he'd do this and he'd do that. And so the word spread, they were watching us. Look at those crazy people. Look at them, what are they doing? And they began to see the love of Christ through the sacrifice of people like Rob. Rob actually died there. He got ill and he, he died. And the people so respected him. But because he always spoke about Jesus wherever he went, when he died, there were people who were saying, this is what Christianity's like. This is what God is really like. And see, Rob, I didn't have a picture of him, but he's one of my missionary heroes. And all he did was walk around in his jandals and help people and talk about Jesus. In a simple, childlike way. I'm doing this to help you. I, I do. Because I love Jesus. And he loves you too. And this is the way he would talk. And so God is gathering people through people like Karen and John and Rob and you and me, no matter how unsophisticated we are, no matter how big a sinner we've been, we are part of God's plan. So missions is planting a Bible-believing church in each people group. That's the other point I wanted to make. It's different to evangelism. You don't have to be an evangelist. You just have to be obedient. You just have to go. If you're called, you go. And believe me, when, when God taps you on the shoulder, you know. You may be uncertain at first, but over a period of time with prayer and with advice from otherwise Christians, as you seek God about it, you come to the place where you know you're going to be disobedient if you don't. And you know, maybe there's some people here, even just one or two, that God will tap on the shoulder to go. But you see, we can't all go. We've got to have senders. We've got to have people who will pray. We've got to have people who encourage. We've got to have people who will give. 
and some of the moments in my life where I really struggled with what we were doing, encouragement would come to me in a letter from somebody who had no idea what I was going through. But they would just write and say, oh, I was praying for you and God gave me this verse. You know, and bang, the light comes on. And this is the corporate, the corporate body of Christ. You know, the head, our head is saying he will build the church, but we're his body. And so the nations are one. It's always been God's plan. Back in the Old Testament, you know, he had Israel as God's people, and they were supposed to be so um, faithful to God that the nations around saw the glory of God and would be attracted to God, but it never worked because the people were never faithful. Over and over again, well, you know, if you've read the Old Testament, it's just a recurring theme of God pulling his people up and then they sin and they turn their back on him again and and on and on it goes. But in the New Testament, it's different. In the Old Testament, it was like God saying, come to the nations. Now God is saying to his people, go to the nations. And so we have to be outward looking towards planting a church in each group. The Apostle Paul, when you read him, his missionary journeys, you see this. He wasn't interested in how many people were saved. You don't see that anywhere. But you do see where he leaves a small group of thriving believers who can begin to be the light, the ever-expanding light in their community, in their language, in their culture. So it's a, he was a church planter, and that's what missions is. It's got to be to the aim of planting a church. And even though there were churches throughout well, I started in Tonga, but I worked in other countries as well. And I was often challenged about this. Oh, but isn't everybody already in church? Yes, but it's not biblical. They don't know the gospel. They're not saved. Very few of them are saved. And so what we began to do was just get young people and put young people on the radio, and we trained them not to be radio hosts particularly, but just how to share what Christ has done for them. And so they would get on there and they'd talk and all the people in their village would listen because everybody knows everybody in the village. And so if a young person was going to be on the radio saying, oh, well, you know, this is what happened to me and and I read this verse and it came alive to me and now I know I'm saved and I belong to Jesus Christ and I'm going to go to heaven. I have no doubt about that. They would share like that. Or they'd say, well, I woke up this morning and I did my Bible reading, you know, and this morning I I was really down when I woke up and I asked the Lord to help me and show me something and he showed me this. And so they're sharing their life just in that very simple everyday way. And we started to find people would contact us because they had enough religion to believe in God. But now they're starting to discover what Jesus Christ has done for them through the voices of people next door on the radio. And then soon we're planning Bible studies in the villages and we're teaching over the radio and I've got Tongan teachers I've trained. And they're so used to sitting in church with their eyes rolled back and the, and the pastor talking politics that we did it differently on the radio. We'd speak for 10 minutes and then have a break and get a cup of tea and then we'd just carry on and then we'd go back and last week we were looking at this and now we're discovering that this is what Jesus is doing and we worked through John's gospel was one of the main things that we taught through over and over again 
People would come to Christ. We'd get people turning up in their vans, people phoning us, and so it grew. Now, I'm not saying that's a recipe for all mission, but God gave us that plan. I don't want to sound like I'm wise that I had this great strategy and went to the islands with this because I didn't. Step by step, it was agonizing. Lord, what do we do now? What do we do next? And God would bring somebody and the ministry would grow. And it's so exciting to be a part of this. And not only to be over there in the islands, because I wasn't there much, I was often out raising money. But just to be a part of it. And people come up to me afterwards. In Auckland, people would come to me. And once they knew about oh, were you with the radio? You have something to do with that radio? And I say, yes. And they say, oh, I used to have that radio under my pillow at home. My parents thought I was asleep, but I was listening to you guys. And, you know, it's part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I'm wanting to paint a picture to you, a picture of what mission really is and how exciting it is to be a part of it. It's challenging, but it's life-changing. It's absolutely life-changing. So it's always been God's plan. The Apostle Paul worked that way. We worked that way in the islands because it spread not only in Tonga, but then I was involved in Samoa for a while and then Vanuatu, then Solomon Islands and Papua New Guinea. And it was always the same pattern, the one we'd established that I just described, but it was the local people doing the work. So back to the scripture that Joe read before out of Revelation 5. This is the Apostle John again. It's his vision. A vision or out-of-body experience or, or I'm not sure what it was actually where he saw heaven from different aspects and he wrote it down as the book of Revelation and the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And we know that that is the culmination of all of history from God's plan way back before creation all the way through to this to where he's receiving glory from his creation in every language from every tribe every people every nation did Karen and John see this? I think so I think so, because this is the driving force of mission. This is the why for you and I. When I get there, I want there to be people who say, praise God, Graham had a part in this. Praise God, if Graham hadn't prayed, if Graham hadn't given, if Graham hadn't come, I wouldn't be here. You know, and we can all look forward to that, being a part of this great glory for God. Our awesome God is a gathering God. 
And that's the thing the church often overlooks. We treat evangelism as a, as a option on the side, a bit like potluck dinners. We treat missions the same, but actually it's the core. It's the very heartbeat of God. It's the very point of all of this. It's what he's waiting to see happen so he can close the book on this and we can end up living our life in eternity just like he wants and like what we want. He's gathering. Twice Jesus said, just as I finish, in John chapter 17, his great kingly prayer or priestly prayer before he goes to the cross. Then again, in John chapter 20, he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me so I am sending you. He spoke that to his apostles and, and John 17 particularly makes it clear he's not only praying for those around him, the apostles at the time, but us who follow down through the ages. So missions, what is missions? It's the eternal glory of God. That's what missions is. It's the eternal glory of God in every group of people, language and nation. Success is guaranteed because Jesus must and they will. It's not optional for us. And of course we can't all go, but we can pray like Matthew 9, 38 says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. We can pray. We can send even from Agora. We can gather around. We can pray for God to send somebody, send somebody from this body to represent this body. And we can gather around and we can support them become senders or maybe we can go even on a short-term mission we can go we've taken a lot of short-term missions to the islands and you'll be surprised how many of those people young people mostly we took how many of the young people have gone on to become missionaries or pastors or leaders in the church and they point to the mission trip being a defining moment in their lives as God called them to ministry no Karen wasn't crazy. John wasn't crazy either. They felt the thrust of the words, not of this fold, and one flock of all nations, and one shepherd. They saw the high and holy God, absolutely able and willing to keep his promises and bring every one of his lost sheep home into the eternal heavenly fold. We dare not sit on the treasure we've been given we dare not. We cannot act as if we were worthy to receive it, but they are not. They are worthy too. I'm just going to close by reading a letter, a short letter, that Karen left. She wrote it before she made her final trip to Iraq. Dear Pastor Phil and Roger, uh, Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this in the event of my death. When God calls me, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place, I was called to him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. The missionary heart cares more than some think is wise, risks more than some think is safe, dreams more than some think is practical, 
expects more than something is possible. I was called not to comfort or to success, but to obedience. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you too and my church family in his care. Salam, Karen. Father, help us to understand your heart in this. It's not a matter of my experience or my thoughts or my ideas or God. It's a matter of what you would say to each one of us individually. Father, we see that you are a gathering God. You're gathering the nations together for this final day that we were just reading about in Revelation 5. What a glorious day that's going to be. Lord, we want many and brothers, many brothers and sisters with us from all nations, all languages, all tribes, all cultures around the world. Help us to play a part in this. Help us to see, Father, that it doesn't depend on us. All we can do, Lord, is be obedient. All we can do is cry out to you to lead us, guide us, and use us, Lord, for your glory. Oh, Father, Help us to see that this has to succeed because it's a must of Christ. He must and he will build his church and they will come and we want to be a part of it, Lord. So speak to your brothers and to my brothers and sisters here today. Show us if there's something that we should be asking of you or we should be doing so we can speed the day when we will see those tribes and those nations glorifying you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.